Good morning, CFM. It's lovely to be able to share with you again this morning. And as we begin, I want to uh, ask you a question. I want you to think about what your family culture is like. I know it's a bit of a strange question, so let me explain what I mean. Um, your family culture is, how do you operate as a family? How do you do life? Are you the sort of family that is always talking to each other on the phone? Or are you kind of a, a letter writing family perhaps? Or is it a case of just sending the odd funny message every now and again? Uh, how, how do you do other things? Like are you always early or are you always late? How do you do things like money? Um, what do you do to relax together? Are you a family that play games or, or watch sport? Or, or how does that work? It's a strange question because we never really think about how we are as a family until we interact with another family who do things differently and think differently. And then all of a sudden we realise that we have a very set way of doing things and it might not be the same way that everyone else does them. Let me give you an example. Uh, I grew up with, uh, with two younger brothers uh, and, and mum and dad, so there was, uh, there was four of us fellas and my poor mum. And when it came to mealtimes, we had this sort of unwritten rule, this unwritten expectation. And I don't remember it really ever being talked about, but if there was food left on the table, it was there to be eaten. We don't want to let it go to waste. That was sort of the, the line that we used. So you'd be really full after a great meal. And then there'd be a few more potatoes left or, or something just left on the table. Well, there would be some glances exchanged and it was somehow quietly uh, worked out who was going to eat it. But it wasn't going back into the kitchen. And that's just the way that we sort of operated. Now, when I started to get to know Heather, who, who's now my wife, and so going back a long time, as I started to get to know her, I remember one of the first times that I was round at her house for a family meal. And, uh, and Heather's family are slightly uh, more sophisticated, perhaps, than my family, if that were possible. And, uh, and they make the meal and they have it on the table. And then um, usually there would be food left and it would be packaged up in small containers and put in the fridge to be uh, warmed up later for, for maybe a lunch later on in the, in the week. Now, I was unaware of this expectation. And towards the end of the meal, there's, there's kind of a bit of food left on all the plates, all the serving dishes on the table. And so in order to do my part and to show love, I, I reach over and collect them all up and put them all on my plate. Maybe Heather's family is slightly more British than I realised as they, they didn't say anything but were just quietly appalled at what was happening in front of them. Who is this guy who's just cleaning up all this food and taking away our lunch for tomorrow? And I was already full, I didn't really need to eat anymore. But it was just a difference in family cultures. Uh, one isn't necessarily right or, or wrong, but there was a different set of expectations, a different set of, of, of ways of operating. What we're doing through September at CFM is we're looking at what our culture is. In other words, we're, we're looking at how we operate together. How do we do life together? 
and we're seeking to uh, to look at what we do and to look into the scriptures to to make sure that we're operating in a way that is is right and is honoring to the lord and is 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 realistic so last week christy looked at how we want to be an overflow culture and uh, and today we're going to look at how we want to be a family church how we want to have a family culture and heather and i uh, were getting married we had several conversations about what um, parts of, of my family's and my upbringing we wanted to replicate when we got married and what from Heather's we wanted to, to take on and perhaps what other things we wanted to take on from others that we'd seen. We wanted to be careful and thoughtful and develop uh, a way of operating that we, we were happy with and we wanted uh, and we thought was best. And so that's sort of the reason for doing this as well. We want to look at how we operate, but we also want to be thoughtful and cultivate um, good practices um, for, for, the, for the best ways to operate. In the Bible, we see that God uses lots of different uh, pictures and images to help us understand our relationship to him. So we see that he uses the image of a king and the people, or a shepherd and the sheep. But he also uses the image of a father and his children. Uh, and we just want to, to, to take that image a little bit and say, so how are we going to operate as those who have been adopted into God's family? If you are a member of uh, the church at CFM, I hope you'll find this uh, really helpful and, and, and engaging. But it may be that um, you're, you're watching this this morning and you're not um, particularly connected to CFM. And if that's the case, it's so great that you're here. It's so great that you can be our guest uh, and join us in this way. And you'll get a front row seat as we just seek to, to understand a little bit more of, of who we are and and who we we want to be and i hope you'll uh, enjoy that and find that helpful as well let me just make a couple of, of of points before we get into god's word together first of all i just want to make mention of what family culture is not see as soon as i say the word family we all um bring in a set of expectations and uh, probably depending on what our own family was like um, but when we talk about being a, a family church, what I, I don't mean is that we are all going to be the same. We're not all going to look the same. We're not all going to dress the same. I know what you're thinking. That's good news. I don't want to dress anything like you, Ian, which is, uh, which is very wise. Um, we're not going to shop at the same places. Uh, we're not going to be the same age or, or the same sort of economic status necessarily. We're not going to be the same. When you're part of a family, you have those who are older, those who are younger. You have those who are in work and those who are not yet working and those who are retired and those who are looking for work. You have those who are married, those who are not yet married, those who have been married, those who are widowed. You have all sorts that make up the family. And we want to recognise that families are made up of all 
sorts of shapes and sizes. There are times in life where we connect with people over similar interests. You know, if you like cricket, then you maybe you join a cricket club and you meet with other people who like to play cricket and watch cricket. Or if you like tiddlywinks, you join with other people who like to watch tiddlywinks or play tiddlywinks. And that's a club and it's fun to be part of a club. It's enjoyable to meet with people with similar interests. But we're not talking about being part of a club. We're part of a family. And there's a lot more diversity and there's a, a, a place in family for, for everybody. So what does family mean? Well, there's two things I want us to kind of just, just mention before we get in, into the Bible. Firstly, to be part of a family means you carry the family name. So you might be different than your brothers and sisters and aunties and uncles and nieces and nephews and grandparents, but you carry the family name. And of those who have, uh, have given their lives to following Jesus, for those who have said, my life is now about him and not about me, and have asked him to come into our lives, now we belong to him. We belong to Jesus. We are known as his. Our identity is now um, um, wrapped up in God and we are defined by him and we carry his name. Now that, that means something. That means that, that sense of identity and belonging means that we are, are belonging to the Lord. So we might look different and have different experience, but we carry the family name. We belong to Jesus. The second thing that family culture does mean is that all of us, however different we might be, are all growing more and more like our father. I'm finding as I get older that I uh, am doing more and more things that remind me of my dad. So I, um, I, I notice it with some of the things that I say, particularly to the children. I notice it with some of my reactions uh, and I think, oh, that is just what my dad would have said or would do or has said. That might be the case for you as well. It, it might not be the case at all. But it is the case for us as followers of Jesus, that the more we walk with the Lord, the more he lives in our lives, the more he, um, he trains our, our minds, the more um, we walk in obedience, the more uh, the fruit of his spirit is displayed in our lives. And the more like Jesus we start to act. Our characters remain diverse. Our interests remain diverse. Our gifting remains diverse. But there is more and more of Jesus uh, that's displayed in us. We don't become robots, but we do um, increasingly act in a way that is loving and full of integrity and gracious and kind and filled with hope and justice and righteousness. And we become increasingly like our Heavenly Father. We become more fully who God made us to be. And it's a tremendously exciting process. We carry his name. And 
we become increasingly like our Heavenly Father. What I'd like us to do for the next few moments is to uh, look in the book of Acts. And I would just like to explore a little bit of what it is to be um, to be the family of God and what that might look like for us at CFM. We're going to trace the story of um, of a character that, and we don't get too much detail about him. We just get little snippets of his story through the middle chapters of the book of Acts. Um, but it's intriguing and it gives us a little window into the early church community. And I think we'll find it helpful. The book of Acts uh, is all about the growth of the early church. And we see lots and lots of people becoming Christians. Lots of people from different backgrounds, from different nationalities, uh, different stages of life. And it's really exciting. But there's also a lot of pressure. There's a lot of persecution. There's a, there's a lot of trouble. And so just looking at what it was like for the brothers and sisters back then will hopefully help us a little bit this morning. We're going to trace the story of a man called John Mark. We're going to start in Acts chapter 12. And at the, uh, at the end of Acts chapter 12, we read, I'll just read one verse, verse 25. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. And so here we begin. And um, Barnabas and, and Saul are these kind of key characters in the early church. And they are um, being um, sent by the church on a, on a mission. And they've been sent out to tell people the good news of the Lord Jesus. Barnabas is uh, a, a man who is known for being an encourager. In the earlier chapter in Acts, we find out that he's a good man and he's full of the Holy Spirit and uh, he's somebody who God really uses. Um, Saul is somebody who has been a really prominent Pharisee. He's been an opponent of the church. He's thrown uh, Christians in prison. He's um, actually um, agreed and, and helped with their execution. Um, but he's met Jesus in a powerful way. And now he's going around telling people about forgiveness and grace that there is in Jesus. And these two brothers, brothers in the Lord, take on a helper called John Mark. John Mark is uh, someone we don't know too much about. We get a little detail of him in Acts chapter 12. Peter, who is um, a really prominent leader in the early church, had been put in prison. And miraculously, an angel has led him out of prison. And he, he thinks it's a vision, but it's actually happened. And we read this in Acts 12, verse 12. When this had dawned on him, that it wasn't a vision, it was real. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and we're praying. So John Mark, um, his mum must have a, a fairly decent sized house. And the early church is gathering there to meet and to pray. So John Mark is probably a young man at this point. He, um, he's familiar with some of the, the key characters in the early church. He has a really privileged position 
that he is kind of encountering people like Peter and they're coming to his house and he's seeing people delivered from prison by angels. And now he gets to go um, with Saul and with Barnabas on a mission. It's an exciting opportunity. And the team set out to go and tell people about Jesus. And they do that because God's family do as Jesus did. God's family do as Jesus did. So just as Jesus was telling people the good news, that forgiveness is available, that there is grace, that there is hope, that there is redemption. So he tells his people to go and share the good news. And these three are going to share that good news um, with lots of people who've never heard it before. And that is the same for us today at CFM. We, as part of the family of God, we, as those who have been adopted into the family of the Lord Jesus, are to share the good news. And we think we need to be reminded of just how good that news is. That, that we, were, um, we were slaves to sin, Romans says. That we were, we were trapped in a way of life that was dead and hopeless. And, and Jesus has, has shined his light in and offered grace and forgiveness and hope. And, and for those who understand and respond to the good news, then it really is life changing. It, it, it is good news. Whatever our circumstance and situation, the message of Jesus is good news to those who receive it and accept it. And as, as part of the family culture at CFM, we're going to be those who share the good news. We're going to share it with each other. And in ways that are appropriate to our personality and temperament and gifting, we're going to share it with others as well. A family culture is uh, about being part of the family business. And, and the family business for, for the family of Jesus is to share the good news. It's a great work to be a part of. So a family culture is about sharing good news. It's about doing what Jesus did. Secondly, being part of a family culture also means that at times somebody's going to get something wrong. Somebody's going to get something wrong. Sometimes, dare I say, in families things can get messy. It would be great if you've got a chance over the next few days just to read the chapters of Acts from chapter 11 through to 17. But um, we don't have time to do that right now. But let me summarise some of the things that happen to this team as they go on this mission. First of all, they go to somewhere called Poseidon, Antioch. And after a little bit of time in there, they're asked to leave that region. They're, they're forced out. They're kicked out. Secondly, they go to a place called Iconium. And when they're in Iconium, there's a plot uh, to kill them. And so they have to get out uh, secretly before that plot comes uh, to fulfilment. And then thirdly, they go to two places called uh, Lystra and to Derb. And, uh, and in these places, um, Paul actually is stoned. And that means that the crowd gathers round and they just hurl rocks at him. 
until they think he's dead. And then they leave him, presuming that they've killed him. It's quite the adventure that they, they go on. And this suffering is real. And in the midst of all that, lots of people are also becoming Christians. They're also following Jesus. If I was in this situation, I would think, oh, John Mark, what, uh, what an opportunity to learn and grow from people like Saul and Barnabas. What's he going to learn from these two um, people of great character who God is using so powerfully uh, in a time of great pressure? What's John Mark learning in this time? Well, the answer to that is that he's not learning anything. He's not learning anything because just before all of that happens, he leaves. Acts 13, verse 13, he leaves and heads home to Jerusalem. Just as things are getting tough, John Mark deserts Saul and Barnabas. Incredibly, a little bit later on in Acts 15, Paul says this. In Acts 15, verse 36, sometimes later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now that, that in itself is amazing. He wants to go back to the place where he was beaten up to within an inch of his life, to where he just lay on the ground as people hurled rocks at him as his bones were bruised and his skin was broken and he says, let's go back and see the churches there. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take them, to take him because he deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. They had such a, <clears throat> they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. Yeah, we've just read that right. There's such a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas that they actually go their separate ways. Sometimes in the family of God, things can be difficult. Maybe even sometimes they get a bit messy, like they can do in families. And sometimes things can be challenging. I wonder what you would do in that situation. I wonder, would you be like Paul? And would you think, would you think this, uh, that going on on mission, this is kingdom building work, this is serious this is work of eternal significance and and vitally important and we need those who are on there to be wholehearted and to not be those who desert i wonder if that would be your disposition or i wonder if you're more of a barnabas somebody who would say yeah wherever we do something we might get it wrong we need a second chance. We may need a third chance, perhaps. Whenever we, we start out in our, in, in our gifts or abilities or kind of uh, testing our calling, we might make mistakes. 
and we need grace and we need encouragement and we need a second chance. I wonder which of those two you would go with. They both make a good case. Sounds like family life to me. Having a family culture here at CFM means that we're going to live with this tension. We want to be like Paul. We want to recognise that our purpose in our community is important and has significance. Uh, and, and, and there needs to be that, that level of doing things well and, and seeking to, to be wholehearted and sold out. But we also want to be like Barnabas. We also want to be those who are um, really encouraging and, and giving people chance to, to do it again and to try things out and to, to, to really encourage even if things haven't gone well. We need both. We need the freedom to try and, and perhaps not get it right. But we also need to be, be pursuing high standards and recognise what we're doing is really important. We need that. And that's family, isn't it? You know, there are, there are times when the, the children, like when they're learning to walk and they're falling over and they're not getting it right. I, I don't sit back and take notes and, and give it to them and say, you might want to consider um, this or that. No, I get down on my knees alongside them and help them and, and, and be alongside. And we need that encouragement when we're growing and when we're doing new things. But we also need to recognise that there's that Paul's right and that there needs to be that, that, that drive and to do things well and to know our responsibilities and to take them seriously. At CFM, we're going to seek uh, to, 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 to know that tension and to know both sides to that. We're going to expect and embrace that. So part of a family is to live as Jesus did. To be a part of a family is to recognise that sometimes there are mistakes. And thirdly and finally... Being part of the family of God is also to recognise that God uses his family to change the world. Incredibly, incredibly, Paul and Barnabas going their separate ways is not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story for God's work. It's not the end of the story for Paul or Barnabas or John Mark. It's not the end of the story. In fact, God is going to do some incredible things in the lives of these people and is going to change the world through them. In Acts 16 verse 1, the very next verse after they, they, they go their separate ways, Paul goes back to, uh, to Derbe and to Lystra, the place where he got beaten up, the place where he suffered so much, the place where he'd been deserted and he finds a man called Timothy. And Timothy had become a Christian during that last mission. And he's going to become a real great help and friend and support for Paul. Just as, as John Mark has left, God raises up a Timothy for Paul. And, and Timothy is going to be a really significant leader in the early church.
Secondly, Paul and, and Timothy are going to travel. And after a couple of setbacks, they're going to um, travel across to Macedonia. Macedonia is modern day Europe. And uh, Europe's going to be transformed by the gospel. It's going to be turned upside down. There might be some disagreements and some mess in the past, but it's not going to stop God changing the world through Paul and Timothy and through Barnabas and through John Mark in other parts of the world. It's incredible God's grace and power, even in and despite and through our mistakes. Thirdly, what about John Mark? What, what happens to him? Well, at the end of some of Paul's letters, he refers to John Mark. And it would seem that there's been restoration and he says some lovely things about him. In Philemon, in verse 24, he says he calls Mark a fellow worker and sends greetings. And in 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 11, he says uh, Paul asks for Mark and says that he is useful in the ministry. So there's been reconciliation, there's been restoration there. And Mark has continued in the, in the ministry, he's continued to tell people the good news. And actually, more scholars think that it is this John Mark that writes the Gospel of Mark. He'll use John Mark, somebody who's, who's messed up in the past, somebody who's gone on this missionary journey, even though he's had all this privilege He's had an incredible start in his spiritual journey, but it would seem like he'd thrown it all away. But God is a God of restoration, and he's going to use Mark to record the gospel of Mark. It's incredible to me that we become part of God's family. As we become part of God's family, even here at CFM in Camforth, we're going to be those who share the good news. We're going to be about the family business of sharing good news with one another, reminding each other, encouraging each other, and with the people round about us. We're going to recognise that there are going to be some mistakes, but we're going to endeavour to be those who encourage, who bless, who hold each other to, to high standards, and to, to recognise those tensions that come with being part of a family. And amazingly, because God is gracious and powerful and far, far more good than we um, possibly realise. He's going to use us, even us, in our mess and our failure sometimes, to do significant, eternal, kingdom building work. What we're about is so important and all the glory goes to him. As he, as he uses us to fulfil his purposes. Amen.